Before we start today's show, let me remind you about our patron program. If you enjoy the program, you'll continue to get it for free on your provider. However, if you're so inclined and you're up to it to, to leave a tip in the tip jar, as it were, uh, you can do that by becoming a patron of the show. There are three levels, three different amounts, with uh, different bonuses depending on the amount that you contribute on a monthly basis. It'll give you additional access to the show, as well as input into the program as well. Check it out at patreon.com slash what's the score. That's patreon.com slash what's the score, all one word, patreon.com. Today's program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it covered. We talk to those from the industry and learn about them and their favorite scores. Welcome to What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So let's take a look at the shelf of CDs and see what we're going to play today. Recognize that music? It's a favorite of our guest today. He's a New Orleans-based filmmaker who has created his own production company called The Colored Section. They specialize in short films and have experienced great success with these films that have been screened uh, all around the world in various film festivals. Way too many to mention. Uh, he wears many hats as he's a, a director, a producer, writer, cinematographer, editor, and who knows what else. Uh, he's looking to branch out into f- features soon his most notable short is probably the uh, the short film called conversation with the devil uh and the reason why is because i'm in it <laughs> i actually had a leading role in it which was really kind of fun so we already know each other prior to today because i have worked with this man and i have great admiration for his drive and his vision so i hope all of you will please join me in welcoming jonathan isaac jackson to the program hi jonathan how you doing, Mr. Frank? Well, I'm hanging in there. At, uh, I, I, I'm so excited about having you on because it's been a while since we've talked, and uh, I still kind of follow what you're what you're doing occasionally through Facebook and stuff like that. So I'm glad to see that things have been moving along uh, along nicely. Um, plus, the fact I think you have some really great choices for film music. A lot of things, composers and uh, cues that I'm not familiar with, but I've listened to them before the program, and I, I think you've come up with a great list, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with our audience. Um, as we do with most of our guests, if you wouldn't mind, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your uh, yourself, uh, maybe outside of the, the film world part first, but, uh, you know, about growing up and family and where you lived and stuff like that? Sure. Um, I am from New Orleans, born and raised. Uh, a little bit outside of New Orleans in Jefferson Parish, Harvard, Louisiana. Um, I have been a filmmaker um, in practice at least 
uh, from about 16 until now. Um, no kids, no wife. Um, so, you know, everything essentially revolves around filmmaking and film itself. So I don't really have a life outside of film. <laughs> Eat it and sleep it and breathe it and everything else, huh? Exactly. So I'm curious, what uh, what was it that got you interested in filmmaking to begin with? I mean, when did this when did this interest start, and and how did it grow and develop in your younger years? Um, well, as a as a kid, I can remember um, seeing the world um, as if it were a film, and and how people interact with each other inside of a film. I could kind of like play off of that. Uh, in my adolescent life. Um, when I was maybe around um, five, I wrote a story about Neil Armstrong um, going to the uh, moon for the first, I mean, to Mars, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Neil Armstrong going to Mars for the first time. And uh, that won like a couple awards in, in, in like kindergarten. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that was like a, a big deal as far as for my parents to, to push sure. towards uh, writing. Um, but when I was probably around uh, 10 or 11, um, I started to understand the concept of what a director is um, and how they, um, I guess, mold situations into a film. Obviously, I understood what writing is or uh, how to write a story, but what a director does and, and, and what these different positions are, how a film is made. Um, so around 12, my parents put me in a summer program at UNO, um, which was the first time I was able to create films. Um, after that, maybe, I think it was around 16 or 17, um, I took a class in high school that was three hours of the day, um, and it was based on television production. Okay. But, um, my teacher was cool, so I was able to create films with my classmates, and everybody understood, you know, how seriously I took it. So they kind of just let me, you know, they had fun being a part of these projects that we would invent and let me direct them. Hmm. And, um, after that, I went to college. Uh, my freshman year, a place called West Alabama to play some baseball, uh, which I wasn't successful at. But the whole intentions at that at that time was to get a business degree um, so that I could at least have a handle on the business side of film. And then after that, I would go back to, to try to, you know, work on being a director, work on being a writer um, and all that. But I wasn't too good in math, so that didn't work out. So I came back and I ended up uh, going to Delgado for a little while because I was skipped out of class because of that television uh, course. And then I went to UNO uh, to study film, which I didn't really like. So eventually uh, I got a job in television and I, I quit college and I went back a couple times, um, but I never finished. Um, but since then, uh, I've, I've been, you know, creating films. Uh, that's probably, you know, since 19, I would probably say I've, I've at least made anywhere from three to 15 films a year. Wow. Okay. And most of these are, are short shorts, I take it. Yeah. All most of them. Of them. Yeah. yeah. Made one feature for a uh, client that was a nonprofit client. Um, we made a feature documentary for them, and I made a feature documentary that nobody's ever seen uh, called American Gumbo, which was about um, 
life after Katrina, but it was more so of, of, of a diversified look. So we had white, we had black, we talked about Chocolate City, um, but we talked about Chocolate City from a uh, from both perspectives. So okay. I was interested in knowing why uh, so many of my white people were pissed off with uh, Negan's comment at the time, and they were able to explain it to me and, and able to help me understand. Um, but that you know, we—I think we like sent it to Sundance. They obviously shut it down, and I don't even know if it's—I don't even know if I have a copy of it anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and now I'm curious. I, I guess when you were growing up, given your age, and I'm trying to do the math here, that was at that point. That was when you could get a home video camera, right? I mean, it wasn't the like when I was growing up. You know, the only way you could do it was actual film cameras. Did you start with video then? I guess. No, I didn't really. Um... I mean, I didn't own a camera until in my, in, into my twenties. Like I said, my, my my parents would not. Um, I wasn't cheap was, either. Yeah, it was so yeah, it was, it was expensive. So I, I guess they were just like, ah. and I don't know if they, you know, I think a, a, a big thing that that people would have to understand about filmmaking in, in the black community, and it's changed. Um, but you know, it's 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 kind of like uh, it's like basketball, right? You know. We played basketball growing up, and, and our parents would tell us, um, you know, you can play, and we want you to play to stay out of trouble, but don't, you know, don't think that you're going to go to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't. Sure. The odds of it are, are pretty small. Right. Get, true. I mean, get, yeah. get, get an education, basically. Right. And, um, and if you're good, you're good. But don't don't think that you're going to go to the NBA. The, the odds are, are, are not <laughs> in your favor. Well, with filmmaking, it was almost the same thing. It was kind of like a, a, you know, do I want to spend six hundred dollars on a thirteen-year-old kid who I believe in, but I don't think um, will have the fortitude to survive being that we're in New Orleans. Like it's not like we're in LA, or New York, and it's yeah, the- true. And this is all this is all happening before New Orleans became like a a, a major hub for for uh, for filming, right? Right, right. So yeah. like it's not a, it's not a conversation I've, I've had. You know, with 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 my dad, I have my parents, but um, I definitely know that they were they were trying to find safer ways, or they were supporting safer ways for me to succeed in life. And that's you know, obviously, you know, just getting an education and and and, and kind of staying on course to, to to be a good citizen in, in, in the United States. Yeah, so yeah. they didn't. It never was like my dad was. Uh, my mom passed away when I was fourteen, mm. so it's, it's my dad now. And my dad has never said don't do it, and he's never done anything to not support me. Um, but like I said, I you know, looking back at it, I don't. I, they just you know they were like, we probably shouldn't spend as much money on. It. <laughs> and you know, they, you know, it could have been a situation where they, they were looking at it like you know you might like it for two minutes and then turn it away. And that's you know, and that's there's six hundred bucks down the drain. Sure, sure. Well, let's let's get let's get in. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get into some of these cues you've uh, chosen because I, uh, I I I listened to them all before we talked today and I I love some of this stuff and it's things I'd never heard of before the uh, the first one we were going to talk about I believe the cue is called Earth's Creation and it comes from a uh, a film called The Secret Life of Plants tell me a little bit about why that made your list of favorites that you wanted to play today um, so right now which is perfect for why you. Uh, well, I'm glad you invited me to this. Um, I'm working on a documentary um, that is uh, about masking Indians. It's about a kid, about masking Indians, about the culture um, mm-hmm. in New Orleans. So as a filmmaker, um, the, the things that I study 
like I study other filmmakers, obviously. Um, but I am really, I really study composers and, and, and producers of music. Um, because I try to figure out what the formula is or what the format is and, and compare it to film. So like Quincy Jones, um, Stevie Wonder, like those are people that I'm studying. John Coltrane, the way they construct music. I'm trying to figure out if I can, you know, be that type of filmmaker. I always looked at myself as as being more of a cool, like Quincy Jones versus being like a Stanley Kubrick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everything was to work out. So um, in the midst of studying Stevie Wonder, I found that song. Um, or that soundtrack. And that was a, a, a film based off a book um, that was made, uh, I can't remember who made it, but it's basically just like Plants and, 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 and Stevie Wonder creating this music. And he apparently created this music with somebody explaining to him what they were seeing. That mm-hmm. they would explain what they would see and then he would like, translate that into music and particularly that first that's the first song on the album and it actually blends in with an idea of what i want a horror film that i wrote to sound like okay well let's yeah let's let's have a listen to this i think our audience will like it the uh, again the cue is called earth's creation it's from the film secret life of plants and it is written by yes you heard that right stevie wonder let's have a listen Thank you. 
so was your interest in film music did did it coincide with your interest in filmmaking or was it or the was the music used in film something that caught your eye or caught your fancy later on in your development um so to go back to the the story of my development um that Easiest access to me as far as understanding film and enjoying it was music videos. So at the time, I actually was making music um, during the high school days. I would I would like make beats with a little beat machine, but um, I ended up stopping that because I felt that filmmaking was more important. And I wanted to concentrate all my energy into that. Uh, now it's more so of a situation where. Music is is not only important to the film that I am creating, but the structure of the film. So I'm un, I'm looking at music and I'm understanding it in a in a bunch of different types of ways. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's not only about the placement of the music or what type of music it's going to be, but how does that music imp- improve the visual images that I'm presenting? And and how can I if I really, really like that that sound, I really, really like that track of music. Um, how can I interpret it visually? How, how do you um, do you have kind of like a philosophy of how you like to use music in your films? Are you uh, you know, do, do you like to have the whole film have background music or are you very uh, uh, economical with where you use music or or just kind of tell me a little bit about how you like to use it? Um. I always felt that the, uh, the the two most successful uses of soundtracks are cartoons and blockbusters, and <laughs> in both of those, there, there's constant music. Like that's one of the funniest things I learned about cartoons when I was younger is that it always has music in it. That's true. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. So yeah, those those are two things I definitely try to emulate. I um, if there is a quiet moment. Or there was a, a quiet moment that that needed to happen. Um, there's a film I made called Darker, right before we made conversations with, uh, and that movie had Owen in it, who uh, starred opposite of you. Mm, right. Okay. And in that film, that was probably one of the only instances where I, I stopped the music for a particular reason, and it was for, you know, it's this reveal of of the the lead uh, female character. To, to you know explain why she's doing exactly what she's doing so it's this constant music and it kind of builds up in a, into you know a, a harder uh techno type of sound and then it just kind of fades out and stops and she speaks and then it kind of comes back in again so that's probably the only time that i could think of where i really stopped it but yeah you know especially when considering short films i like to have music throughout because it needs to just move like i need everything to just move forward and music, uh, you know, it definitely helps the audience with the idea of just moving forward. Okay. Yeah. No, good, good points. Um, and I hadn't thought about the thing with the cartoons. You're right. That's, that's funny. Um, this next cue that you had chosen is I think on your list, there's probably a couple that I knew, and this is one of them. Uh, and it's, it's a classic. It's, um, the movie is, uh, is called charade and we're going to listen to the main title. And this was written by one of the true masters and maestros of uh, film music, Henry Mancini. That, that seems a little bit out of place on your list, so I'm really curious. What was it that, that made you want to include this on your list? So, that's a, I mean, it's a couple of reasons. Like, number one, it, it definitely, you know, if you look at that list, I don't think there's one piece of music that is similar to the other. 
So I do have a, a wide uh, array of musical tastes. Yeah. But um, in order for us to have a conversation, uh, knowing that we were going to have a conversation, um, I thought it was important to go back to that because Charade is, is one of my favorite films. It, it you know, I absolutely fell in love with Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> but that idea of, of, of music, like I told you, you know, the, the Quincy Jones, you know what I'm saying? I want to be the Quincy Jones of filmmaking. Um, you know, I try to compare my, my, my films to like Earth, Wind and Fire, like, like musical tracks. That's what I want them to be. Hmm. So this idea, that idea of, 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 of music, um, back in, in, in that time, the Henry Mancini's, um, that's just ultimately like the coolest music that was made. And it's a cool film. Yeah, yeah you're right about that. Yeah. So like I haven't had the opportunity to to create something that would utilize that. And I don't have, you know, the means to to grab those type of soundtracks for a film. But, you know, in the long run, that is definitely a vibe of 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 how I want to make a film and what I want the film to sound like. So okay. is, is definitely like something that I always go back to because it's, it's kind of like a, for me, at least it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a time of glory um, when it comes to, to, to film scores and, and how films were made and, you know, the, the, the relationships within the film and the, the thriller, the, the, the thrilling elements of the film, um, you know, that's just that's something that I would love to make. I hated that they, that they made it, uh, the truth about Charlie, and maybe that's been made long enough. But yeah, I, I would love to remake Charade. Huh. So that's that's kind of why I included that. Okay, and I believe what you've chosen is the main the main titles, the main theme mm-hmm. uh, from the film Charade. Uh, we'll have a listen to this, and it's written by the uh, the maestro Henry Mancini. Thank you. 
we were talking about how, how you like to use music in films. Now, I'm kind of curious. Do, are you looking for the music to uh, kind of support what you're seeing on the screen, or are you looking for the music to help communicate what's going on in the characters' minds? Does that does that my question make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, okay. it, it's it's a uh, it depends on the situation. Like I say, there's there's certain uh, there's been a few um, instances where I've had you know a good musician to really score something. And then, but most of the time, it's, it's a situation where either I have to create it, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a musician, um, or I have to utilize what I have, or what I can find, and make it mix. So yeah, ultimately, you know, I would love to, and in the long run, and I think that's kind of what I prepare for as a filmmaker is is for when I do get to the point of not having to worry about you know a budget um, or a minimalized budget, right. Um, you know, being able to have meetings with people that whose music I enjoy and negotiate ways for them to be a part of the film. When it gets to that point, then yes, it, it, it will be very important to um, have musical cues that make sense for certain pieces of the film. Um, but as of now, it's, it's mostly having an idea of, of what I wanted to feel like overall and trying to figure out, well, how can I get those elements um, with little or nothing to try to create the atmosphere of what I feel I need. So it's at, at this point right now, it's more so atmosphere, but it's definitely not a, uh, it's not something that is not, um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not just throwing something together or picking some random track. Right. Like everything, every music, every piece of music I've ever made had a purpose. And and I've listened to a lot of you know music before I decided to play that track and and how will it work within this film? Have you have you had the opportunity to to have any? Uh, and I realize this this would be a budget constraint, but have you had an opportunity to to have some uh, original music composed for one of your projects? Oh yeah. Um, oh, okay. We uh, let's see. Darker was was made by uh, my producing partner is a guy named PJ, Phil Will, which I don't think you ever got to meet him. No, I don't think so. But yeah, PJ is, is uh, he's a musician. Um, oh, okay. But he's, but once again, he's not, you know, he's not a musician musician. Like we both are guys who can take a keyboard and, and create something if we need to. And we hope that we don't have to. Mm -hmm. um, we get into Sicario, I'll explain a little bit more about PJ and what we do. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we basically created a team called Darker, which was me and him, for this film called Darker. And it was a situation where we sat and, 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 uh, and created a soundtrack that we feel uh, would make that film make more sense. So that was more of a, a, a techno sound, which techno is not, um, or electronic, it's not necessarily something that I, I, I am a... a I'm not gonna say that I'm not a fan of it, but it's not something I listen to on an everyday basis. Um, but and that, that's reflected in your list, by the way, too. I mean, there's some electronic elements to some of these cues, but I was I was pleasantly surprised that you chose a lot of what I would still call more kind of traditional orchestral kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I mean, if you if you if you were to watch the the, the canon of films that I've created, you would see that you know I'm I'm trying to not make the same film, so therefore I'm not trying to use the same type of music. Yeah. So, you know, the music definitely depends on what the, the content of the film is or, or what I was feeling when I was writing it. 
Um, but yeah, me and PJ, we sat down and, and, and we created this, this score um, for this particular film. Um, we also did for Mujahideen, we did one. Um, and for this one, I started making music for the documentary. Um, and I have a guy who I, I, I love to work with. He's like my little brother named Perk. And he's working on some stuff uh, with a particular idea of what I feel we need for this 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 film. Okay. Well, the um, the next film you had chosen is one I'm not familiar with. Um, film's called Neon D- uh, Demon, and uh, but the cue you chose, it's I loved it. It was fabulous. Uh, it's called Demon Dance, and the composer I'm not familiar with. It's uh, Cliff Martinez. So I, I was kind of curious if you could tell us a little bit about why you. Want to do again? You know, include that on your list of favorites to play today. All right, so that that'll go back to darker. So, um, I'm a big fan of that director. He made he uh, directed Drive, um, and then he directed uh, Only God Forgives, which is not the best film in my opinion, but it's beautiful. And he knows how to use images and music. And then he made this Neon Demon, um, which is once again probably not the best story in the world but it literally is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Hmm. And he was able to make me understand um, that type of music in a different way. Like that track is something that I would never, it would never be something that I probably would have listened to, like just on my own or came across. But because of the way it was put into the film and the context of how it was put into the film, anytime I hear it, it, it gives me a certain feeling. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. this awesome, cool, weird sound. And we ended up, that's why Darker, you know, we ended up making this music for Darker because, you know, I couldn't find anything to pay for anybody that could make music like that. But I needed that same type of film because I wanted um, I wanted this film, Darker, to be, uh, it's based off of the, the, the uh, it's like a loose adaptation of, of, of Patty Hearst's situation. Mm. Um, but we flipped it a little bit. Um, but I wanted it to, to to feel like this, you know, revolution. And I felt like the revolution at that time, which is maybe three or four years ago, felt like something that would be electronic. Okay. Well, let's um, let's have a listen for this. And again, I I think you're going to like it, my listeners. Uh, it's called Demon Dance. It's from the film Neon Demon, and it's written by Cliff Martinez.
We'll get back to our program in a moment, but I wanted to ask you, how do you, how do you express your love of film music to others? Or any of your passions in general? You know, for instance, like I, I have a collection of t-shirts and coffee mugs that kind of reflect my interests. And I occasionally like to show them off to uh, friends I have. So I thought one day, though, but why is it that I have nothing that shows my love for film music? I really don't. I don't think I have a single piece of clothing or a mug or anything that shows my love of film music. So that's why I've partnered with a company called Red Bubble to create products that have our What's the Score logo on it. I now have a t-shirt and a coffee mug uh, with our logo on it, and it looks terrific, and I love showing it off to my friends. It's a film strip that has pictures of famous composers on it, as well as our uh, name of the show, What's the Score? I mean, think about a conversation piece. That would set, certainly do it. Uh, so if, if you want to get one of these for yourself or any number of other products, because there's lots of different things that you can get with the logo, here's what you do. You go on your browser and you type this. Now, and remember, you don't have to type, don't type anything else, no www or anything else. Just type in, frw007.redbubble.com and it takes you straight to the What's the Score store. Check it out for yourself and uh, see what you think. You might find something of interest there. All different kinds of price points and products. So check it out. That's again frw007.redbubble.com That's frw007.redbubble.com I'm curious, since you're so much into this and you've had so much experience with uh, with making films and things like that, did, are you able to watch a movie or a, or a TV show without putting your director hat on or something like that? I mean, are, are you able to just sit back and enjoy it for what it is, or or are you constantly like, oh, I would have chosen this angle. Look how lousy the lighting is. I mean, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Do you have a chance yeah. to just sit back and enjoy sometimes? No, I mean, you know, I'm 39. I've been doing this for a while. So um, there was a point definitely during film school at UNO where I couldn't watch films without literally thinking where the light is, you know, <laughs> you know what the camera was, how did they do that, what camera did they use. Um, now it's, it's, I don't know, it depends on the film. It depends on how I feel when I'm watching the film. Um, they're, they're right now, considering that I'm, you know, I've, I've, Films and I have at least, I mean, at the time, right now, I have four films that I'm trying to, in various stages that I'm trying to see, you know, if I'm going to get made or trying to complete. So there are certain films that I avoid because I know I'm going to try to break them down, right? So, mm -hmm. like, right now, I'm watching, like, I'm watching, like, uh, uh, I've watched Batman versus Superman and, and, and Justice League because, you know, those are two films that I, I never, like, I don't care what camera they, you know what I'm saying? I don't care what camera they use. I don't care what the lights are. Like, it's, <laughs> You know, it's mostly green screen anyway. So I'm not thinking, and that's definitely, you know, nowhere close to the films that I'm making. So I'm not thinking. Like one film, two films, I'm sorry, that I, I, I've been hesitant to watch were uh, The Science of Sleep and um, In the Mood for Love, because those two films are literally um, two films that I want to emulate for two scripts that I have written um, that I'm trying to make. And it's hard for me to watch them or even sit down and watch them because I already know that I'm not going to, I need to 
I need to understand the storyline to work on the script, but I'm not going to be able to do that because I'm going to be looking at other elements. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when I, yeah, when I first started, started doing this work, it was, I noticed almost instantly as I would watch programs, I'd say, wow, that was interesting. That must've taken a long time to do. I, I never used to think things like that when I would watch shows. So now I actually, I'm usually in awe of what people are doing and how they're doing it and know the, now that I have a real appreciation for the amount of work that it takes to do it. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm glad you're able to kind of occasionally just kind of sit back and be a fan instead of, instead of trying to digest it, uh, uh, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, another, uh, another a film I have heard of, uh, called Mo better blues. Yeah, we're going to play the main title from that. Uh, it's written by Bill Lee. And we were talking a little bit before we uh, went on air about this at, I'd be curious to hear what are your thoughts about uh, wanting to include this on your list. Is there a particular reason why or reasons why? Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite tracks. It's just one of my favorite pieces of music. Um, once again, it, it, it gives me a, 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 a warm feeling when I hear it. And I, I literally listen to it probably once a week. Um, <laughs> the film, the film is cool. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's you know, the idea of how they created that music and how it fits in the film is perfect but the, the, the just that song itself is just like i said one of the most beautiful pieces of music i've ever heard it is just fabulous now you you had told me too that there was um uh a person that played on this that is a well-known musician in in new orleans circles two of them uh okay terence blanchard and uh rapper marcellus oh okay wow so they both played on this mm-hmm. excellent well, let's, uh, let's have a listen to this. Again, it's the main title from Mo Better Blues, and it's written by composer Bill Lee. Enjoy.
since you you uh, multitask so much on uh, on all your projects, I'm I'm curious if you have a particular. I mean, is there one aspect of it that you really kind of like more than the others? And when I mean that is, you know, do you like the writing aspect better or directing or editing? I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are about that. Um, I mean, I, I, I enjoy directing uh, the most. Like, that's that's the, the, the thing that I'm doing everything for. Um, editing and writing are not the funnest to me, but it, both of them are situations where <clears throat> you're walking in with the idea of molding something into something. So with writing, you're trying to mold this this thought, of, <clears throat> excuse me, this thought of this idea into, you know, 15 pages or, or 80 pages. And you're excited. Once you start, you're excited about seeing how you flesh it out. And editing is the same thing. You're taking all this footage that you shot and you're trying to get back to that initial thought or idea that you had when you conceived it from the start. So the process of both of those, I enjoy, but I don't necessarily enjoy them. Um, producing, I've produced a couple projects that weren't necessarily mine. Um, like I said, you know, it's give and take. It depends on the people around you. But, you know, the, the reason I'm definitely in the game is, is, is to direct. So, and I enjoy it. Like I said, it's something that I, you know, I, I wanted to give the, 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 the path of, or the trying of filmmaking up many a times but I never could. And it's because I want to, you know, I want to be able to create art and I want to be able to, to, to put these ideas that I have on a random Tuesday in a, into a, a, a whole concept that involves people and ends up being a film and trying to see if I can connect, you know, an audience with, with an idea I had, you know, laying in bed at eight o'clock you mm -hmm. know, on a Friday night. Like, I think that, that, that is like kind of like my purpose and that's what I love to do. You're a very lucky man that you realize that and that you're able to able to do it. And that's uh, that's terrific, and I understand that feeling too. I mean, I got it very late in life, but uh, but yeah, I understand what you're saying all, all together too well. Um, let's let's play another cue here. And it's interesting how you're saying you're not really much into electronic music, but this next one actually does, I think, have the, an element of that. Uh, let's see, it's I'm gonna make sure I get the title right. Ping Island Lightning Strike, and it's from a film called The Life Aquatic with Steve Sisson, or Zizon, I guess, or Sisu, Sisu, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I hadn't heard of it before. Kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, is there are there particular reasons or things about this particular piece of music that made you want to include it on your list? Yeah, I think it's a movie you should you should check out uh, when you can. So it's uh, it's a Wes Anderson film. You know, who Wes Anderson is. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that name. Yeah. Yeah, Wes Anderson is a is a brilliant filmmaker who makes beautiful films. This particular film stars Bill Murray, and uh, it's about a, a, he's supposed to be a Jacques Cousteau character. Like, he's kind of, like, loosely based on Jacques Cousteau. Mm -hmm. And um, he ha he's having some issues. Uh, he has, like, this ragtag um, crew, and he makes these, these documentaries, right? But he's at a point in his life where, like, you know, stuff is just not going well. And they have a kid who pops in who's Owen Wilson, a uh, young man, I'll say, who is um, who says he's his son. So he's trying to like, you know, be a father, but it's Bill Murray. So it's this this eccentric um, ways of doing things. So this Ping Island escape is perfect because uh, it encapsulates like Wes Anderson style in a in a song. So it starts off with like this electronic sound, right? Um, almost like a video game. 
And at the, the point of that, they're trying to rescue somebody, right? So they're on an island and they're trying to rescue. And like I said, it's a ragtag group of, 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 uh, of people that are part of this, you know, this, this documentary slash um, marine biology crew. Okay. And, uh, and the way that he films it and the way that the music is made, it, it starts off with like this, this, it's Bill Murray. And it's actually, if you watch the trailer, you'll see it in the trailer. But he's having this conversation with him. And he does like this little dance and all that is to like this electronic music. And then it cuts to like them actually like going on this mission and the music changed to like this, you know, this, this, this orchestra, you know, this big music, uh, um, I don't know. Uh, I can't really explain. Like an explosion or something you mean? Or, uh, it's not an expl- uh, explosion of music, but it's just the idea yeah. of taking this, this do, 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 do. <laughs> And then translating it into like this, so like a score. So you're taking okay. this little pretty score and translating it to this big score, and it, it just, it's, it's just brilliant the way they did that with the movie. And it's, it's, it's a joke. Like it's an inside joke to the people that's watching and know what's going on, which you should know what's going on by that time. <laughs> okay, well, let's certainly piqued my curiosity when I listen to it again. Now the composer's name is this is quite, quite a name here, Mark. Mother's Ball, I guess you might be pronounced. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mark Mother's Ball, and the film is called The Life Aquatic with Steve Sizu. At least we'll go with that, and hopefully that's, with all due respect to the people involved, hopefully I got those pronunciations right. Anyway, let's uh, sit back and listen and enjoy this cue. Thank you. 
for those people that don't know, there's actually some rather uh, impressive uh, incentives, I guess, if you will, for uh, for people to make films and TV shows in Louisiana, commonly called like tax breaks and things like that. Are, my understanding was is that there are some real advantages, especially for independent filmmakers in Louisiana, to take advantage of that. Have you been in a position to do that yet? Uh, not really. Um, do you un- do you understand it? Because I'm still not sure. I really understand how it works. For for which part? The overall or for the independent? Well, I mean, just overall. I, I don't understand how you you know you get tax credits and then you can trade them or 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 i just don't understand if even money really changes hands or is it just a, like all on paper or it's well, just exactly. a- with a tax credit you know it, it it's it's a you know it, it, if you owe i don't know fifty thousand dollars and you have a tax credit you know whatever that tax credit is worth you could take off of that that fifty thousand dollars okay so it works for people with a lot of money who have to pay a lot of taxes <laughs> yeah um, and then they'll sell that People with the film credits will sell that to those people um, at a cheaper price, per se. Um, for independent filmmakers, you have to have, I think, $50,000, and you can utilize it as a tax credit. Um, but, you know, to have a $50,000 production in Louisiana um, is not as easy as it sounds. No, you, you know, and that's another thing. That's almost a whole other separate show in itself about the... Uh the trying to gain financing. I mean, it's it, usually these, these aren't self, you know, sometimes in, in cases like the kind of things that you're doing, they are self-financed, but by and large, what you're seeing in theaters or on television, there's someone who's made, or some people that have made significant investments to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, that's, that's tough going through that route and trying to raise money. Now, have you, have you pursued that at all? Have you tried to raise funds? Is that something you've, done or have you mostly been just kind of trying to self-finance them yourself um i mean to a certain extent we have uh we we've we've definitely tried to fundraise we've definitely tried to crowd uh fundraise Mm -hmm. um yeah you know it's 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 who you know and and this is a small city and it's 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 not a, a city with a lot of wealth within the black community so it's it's you know even when i'm doing you know online fundraising is kind of complicated because i don't want you to give me you know a piece of your check that you need to eat with for a dream that i had you know so it's hard to ask for like you know that type of money and then the other side is you know i don't know you know we have an oil rich state but i don't know anybody that owns anything with oil you know what i'm saying (laughs) well those people that do know those people they can you know they can get access to those funds um for us it's not that easy so you know, the other side of it is, you know, we're we are in a in an age of technology, so it's not it's not as expensive to create a film as it, it was like in 1980. Like I don't have to shoot on film, I don't have to get it processed and developed. Um, so it, it it you know it it definitely is feasible. You can do it, um, but it's 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 like I say, it's definitely not hard to to fundraise now for the documentary. Um, I was able, lucky enough to to get a producer from LA who put a couple dollars in um, and is is helping me, you know, see this thing to completion. Um, a graduate of AFI named Paul, he's a good guy. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. You know, he has those connects, and that's that's the whole basis of not basis, but that's kind of like you know what I'm hoping for in the long run. If if 
I have an opportunity that if I make a good documentary, um, he is in a position where he can help to fundraise the next project or put my name. Absolutely. Because he's in L.A. Like he's there. He's working. Um, he graduated from AFI. He has that network. So I did get lucky with that. Now, you know, the only job for me is just to make sure I have quality product for him, you know, to help me out. But in this state, I still think everything still goes through L.A. and New York. And, you know, it's a little bit it's still complicated to really utilize those tax credits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's let's tune into the, the uh, another cue that you had chosen. It's called The Beast and it's from a film called I believe it's called Sicario. And the composer is one whose work I'm familiar with, but I've never been able to really make sure that I can pronounce his name properly. Uh, Johan Johansson. Uh, who, uh, if memory serves, uh, uh, tragically passed away a few years ago. But he was a, he was kind of an under the right radar uh, composer that had had a lot of success and a lot of admirers, uh, certainly in this country. Tell me a little bit about that particular cue and why you wanted to include it uh, to listen to today. Um, so that is from Sicario. It's a um, awesome film about. Uh, the government and, and, and how they deal with drug trafficking. Um, the way that it's written and the way that it's shot and the way that it's told is, is, is impeccable. It's beautiful. Um, that particular scene is a scene where they are crossing the Mexican border to get a prisoner, I believe. And it's, it's basically like a helicopter shot. Um, and it's 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 just tense. It's really really like tense because they're going in a, uh, I think they're going in a, a war as, you know. And it's it's you know just a war zone. Um, and we that goes back to to me talking about PJ making music. Um, there's a movie I made called Mujahideen, which is about uh, it's essentially about this this based off of the story um, about uh, entrapment. So we shot like a. a I would call it a, a proof a concept uh, film for it. And, you know, I told PJ, uh, I was like, I need you to take this piece of music and make something like it. Cause I want that same feeling. Like I want mm. that, that dread, you know, even though the, the dialogue is not, you know, necessarily giving you too much as far as you being scared, you know, that, you know, it's a drug dealer having a conversation so I just wanted to have like a sound of dread, even though, you know, you're not seeing anything that's going to spook you. You know, we show the guys going up before they meet up. You know, we do see that one of the characters put a gun, you know, in his back pocket. Um, but this whole score is just this dread as if something's going to happen and nothing happens. Right. But it's just this idea of dread. And and, and I, I can visualize and, you know, this was probably a very good example of how if you watched this sequence, Without music, at least at the very beginning of it, you you might bore the heck out of you. But that music is is adds to that sequence to to give it that 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 drama, that anticipation, the the the, the tense feeling and building up to it. Is that a safe way to describe this? That is definitely a perfect way of describing it. Yeah, and and it and by the way, if you've ever you know, to my to the audience, if you ever have a chance to watch a movie without music you'd be surprised how flat they 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 become without music it's just really fascinating well let's let's have a listen to this this is a um, this is from the film sicario the cue is called the beast and it's written by composer johan Johansson. 
Enjoy. Well, I'm I'm curious, Jonathan. What uh, what's kind of in the pipeline for you in the future? You've made a reference to a couple of things, but are there there are things you're looking forward to, to doing here throughout the rest of the of the year and looking into next year? You got things in the pipeline? Uh yeah, we're uh, like I say, we're working on a documentary right now called Big Chief Blackhawk about a 16 year old Big Chief masking Indian Mardi Gras Indian. Um, that is kind of gonna uh, dive into culture and, and tourism and, and, and how it uh, affects the black community um, in good and in bad. Um, 
I have two horror scripts. One of them is is the uh, the feature version of Conversations with the Devil. Um, mm-hmm. That was already written like years ago, and then I rewrote it to make a short. So um, I went back and I fixed that up a little bit. That's essentially about a, a, a woman who becomes pregnant, and uh, the guy, her boyfriend, who who has impregnated her, tells her that he's actually Lucifer. Mm. <laughs> literally sit down and have a conversation um, with some of the dialogue that you and Owen had. Um, mm-hmm. I have a film that I wrote called The Necromancer that I definitely want to shoot as a feature about a, a young black woman who's a filmmaker uh, in film school trying to finish her thesis. Um, and in a process of, of research, she finds out about uh, the Book of the Dead, The Necromancer. I mean, I'm sorry, The Necromonicon. Um, and that leads her down a little bit of a rabbit hole um and then i have uh, a film that i think we're gonna shoot um we have some 35 millimeter film and uh i'm still waiting for my dp to get back at me after a month but uh it's a movie called the dream for sale about a, a guy who has a machine that uh records his dreams and his situation hmm. with a woman oh wow oh wow well it sounds like there's a never a dull moment in the life of jonathan jackson is there yeah, I'm always working, man. Always. That's good. That's good. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough. I've 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 had fun. I hope you have. Uh, getting to know you a little bit better and 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 listening to some of this music has been terrific. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Definitely have. I thank you. I, I appreciate you having me. Oh no, my pleasure. And uh, you know, just don't forget, I'm I'm available for any of your future projects. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, I, again, my, my thanks to, uh, to Jonathan for joining us today. I hope our audience has enjoyed it. Uh, let me remind you, too, that if you enjoyed the program and you feel like leaving a tip in the tip jar, we are uh, we do have a program uh, where you can become a patron of the program and help support our efforts. Uh, you'll find that on our Facebook page, or you can also go to patreon.com slash what's the score and get more information on that. Um, that wraps it up for us today, so there's only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score?